Welcome to the CES podcast. My name is Sophia Besch and I'm here today with Ian Bond, Simon Tilford, Rem Korteweg and Agata Gustinska-Jakubowska to talk about Theresa May's brand new cabinet. And I was going to start out by asking you, Simon, what does the appointment of David Davis, who has been quite a hardliner on free movement of labor, what does it mean for Britain's continued access to the EU single market? I think on the face of it, the appointment of Davis, Johnson and Liam Fox are quite curious because none of them have the experience, knowledge or temperament to engage in complex negotiations. So it isn't immediately obvious what the logic behind these appointments mm. is. She obviously needed uh, to appoint Brexiters to, to senior roles, but these are very sensitive uh, roles and it's not quite clear why she thought these three were, were best suited uh, to them. I think there probably is some method in the madness. I suspect that uh, there is an element of giving them enough rope, of confronting them with the reality of the situation, with the reality of the trade-offs that Britain faces, all three of whom are in denial about, right. and that uh, by doing that she can kill two birds with one stone, she can discredit or deflate some of these these leading Brexiters while raising awareness within the Conservative Party and among Brexiters generally within the Conservative Party uh, of the, the seriousness of Britain's predicament, of the political constraints facing other members of the EU and over the, the rather painful trade-offs that Britain faced because all three of those politicians, Fox, Johnson and David Davis, sincerely appear to believe that Britain can have its cake and eat it, that yeah. Britain can have single market access without signing up to free, free movement of labour. And by putting them in these positions, uh, she is she's going to confront them with reality, which is very, very different. Ian, do you think that that's the reason that Theresa May appointed Boris Johnson as the new foreign minister? And what do you think does this appointment mean for relations with EU partners, but also for relations with the United States in the future? Well, I think he's been put in that job because she wanted him inside the tent. Mm. Uh, but I think it also suggests that she does not attach much importance to foreign affairs or perhaps intends to run foreign affairs herself. Uh, Boris Johnson has um, offended many other international leaders over the years. And uh, it's going to be very difficult for him, I think, to work with some of his colleagues. We've already seen very critical comments from the French foreign minister immediately after his appointment, talking, calling him a liar with his back to the wall. Yeah. Um, and immediately before his appointment, criticism from the German foreign minister who called him an irresponsible politician. Uh, so this is not a great basis on which to build relationships. And if one looks at the US, and that really is a crucial relationship for the UK in so many ways, uh, Boris Johnson has deeply insulted Barack Obama uh, with his comments on uh, Obama's alleged hostility to the UK being based on his Kenyan ancestry. And he has in the past described Hillary Clinton as um, like a sadistic nurse in a mental hospital. <laughs> you know, this is not a good basis for the relationship with someone who may well be the next president of the United States. Yeah. Um, so it, it seems to me that this is a very curious appointment in terms of the signal that it sends about the importance that we attach to having good relations with, with like-minded countries. At the end of the day, even if we're leaving the EU, 
these are the most like-minded countries there are in the world. Rem, trade negotiations. Liam Fox has been appointed Secretary for International Trade, but how much can he really do at this point? After all, the UK is still a member of the EU for now. Well, that's a very interesting um, question um, to which I hope Liam Fox has the answer himself, because the way I see it is that the European Union has exclusive competence over international trade. And up until the moment when the UK is no longer a formal member of the European Union, um, the UK doesn't have the competence to sign international trade deals of uh, its own. Mm. And so uh, what you may expect is that Liam Fox will do a lot of preparatory work, uh, putting out feelers to potential trade partners. Um, we may see a lot of noise about uh, talks starting, uh, but these talks will be very informal. And informal talks about trade are not trade negotiations. Yeah. Um, and so before Article 50 is concluded, and before the UK has divorced itself from the EU, it cannot sign another trade agreement. It cannot marry another state in trade terms. Before it is divorced. Exactly. And besides, you also have to wonder whether third parties would be really interested in, actu in actual trade negotiations with the UK when the UK's status in its relationship with the EU is still unclear. It matters an enormous amount for Indian manufacturers or US investors, whether uh, if they are present in the UK, they also automatically have access to the broader European single market or not, and it will influence the negotiating positions of these third-party governments. Agatha, Vem has mentioned informal talks and informal negotiations, and Philip Hammond, the new Chancellor, seems to think that Britain will indeed be able to talk informally to all EU member states before Article 50 is triggered. Do you think that that's a realistic hope? Well, nothing really prevents Britain from trying to engage with its European partners in informal talks. But I just think, uh, you know, that other member states will be really reluctant to talk about uh, Brexit negotiations before Article 50 is triggered, mm. mainly because Article 50 uh, gives them more leverage. So it seems to me they will wait actually for Britain to, to trigger Article 50 and they actually really have to have an idea what is the kind of relationship that Britain would like to have. I, I've heard um, that some uh, European capitals are quite confused because they say, well, even if we wanted to talk to Britain, we don't really know what, mm. what they want. So it seems to me, um, a, you know, a really optimistic assumption that other European countries would be willing to talk before uh, Brexit negotiations formally start. And we'll see if that optimism prevails. Thanks to all of you.